0: Welcome to Grizzly Bear Blues Live, part of the Bluff City Media Podcast Network, also part of Bluff City Media's Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. It's so good to be with you. First, podcast of the new Grizzly Bear Blues Live era during the regular season. It's awesome to be with you. The Grizzly Bear Blues for this year will be kind of a weekend wrap-up, looking at you know the week that was, looking at the week that was ahead, and really diving into what's working, what's not working for the Grizzlies. Obviously, not a lot working for Memphis right now, but it's awesome to be with you once again. My name's Sean Coleman. Hope, wherever you are and wherever you're listening, you are having a great start to your Sunday. Obviously, we are three games into the 2023-2024 season. The Grizzlies right now are 0-3. There's some obvious reasons why that is, but I also do think there are plenty of opportunities that you should have faith in the Grizzlies improving that should result in some wins coming down the pipe in Near future. of course you can find all the great content for grizzly bear blues live as well as grizzly bear blues at bluffcitymedia.co at bcm grizzlies on social media at gbb live when it comes to uh, social media as well make sure you follow subscribe check out all the great content and make sure you become an insider at bluffcitymedia.co and subscribe to the grizzly bear blues live podcast to get all the latest content from this podcast from me sean coleman as well as all the great written digital and audio content from bluffcitymedia.co my My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. So as we're coming to you on Sunday morning, listen, the Grizzlies are 0-3, and and it's been a disappointing start to the season. It's been a frustrating start to the season. Last night, their performance in Washington against the Wizards was the most frustrating of all. The Grizzlies should have won the game last night. Their first half performance in last night's game was just abysmal. There was a lot of contributing factors, both the fault of the coaching staff as well as the roster itself. But the Grizzlies being 0 and 3, this is not the outcome any of us wanted to happen. I did not expect for that to be the case. I thought there was a good chance that the Grizzlies would be one and two at this point in time. Once this once the first Sunday of the season rolled around, I thought the Grizzlies would be one and two, and I sure didn't think that the Grizzlies' best performance, you know, in my opinion, by a significant margin, would be against the defending champs. The Grizzlies had an opportunity to win Friday night's game. They just couldn't get it done. But then on Saturday night, because the Grizzlies had struggled so much in the first half of the game, even though they played well in stretches of the second half against the Wizards, they unfortunately cannot get the job done. And now they find themselves 0-3. And, and I know that it, it feels like it's time to panic. It feels like the sky is falling, you know, especially with the fact that we're dealing with more injury than we expected to. Um, You know, and some of those injuries are not going to take care of themselves. You know, Jaws suspension as well. Either those, some of the injuries are not going to take care of themselves anytime soon. It's going to be a while before Jaws back. Thankfully, we should get Santi Aldama and Luke Kennard back at some point in time this week. But... It's kind of a double-edged sword uh, of both negativity and positivity. Yes, there is reason to be concerned. There is reason to be concerned when it comes to this Grizzlies team right now. Some of the factors that we were concerned about, some of the early season weaknesses of this team that they had shown over the past two years, they are right there once again when it comes to the start of the season. And the offensive inconsistency is definitely a concern. But I also feel, for the same reason that that many in Grizz Nation should be concerned, there it's also the same reason. And not to panic, because there are things within the Grizzlies' control that they easily can get marginally better at, and then the wins will start to come. And, and what I mean by that is this, is that, you know, coming into the season, listen, I know we're, we're we're significantly limited when it comes to our roster so far. All of the names, I know that a popular way of describing the Grizzlies' injury right now is that a John ja Morant, Luke Kennard, Santi Aldama, Brandon Clark, Stephen Adams starting five, that could be a, a pretty good starting five. For a franchise, I know that's a popular way to look at it, but the point of looking at it that way is, is that there is no irrelevant person right now on the injured list for the Grizzlies. Each and every one of the players that the Grizzlies have on the injured list right now are significant contributors, especially when it comes to the Grizzlies offense. So that is a big, huge reason why the Grizzlies are running into some inconsistency when it comes to their offense. But, and I know also that they had three nights of a back-to-back, including their third game being on the road. I, I get those factors. But there also are several things that are within the Grizzlies' control that they're just simply not performing up to their standard when it comes to their production. You know, coming into this season, I talked about some factors that really needed to be areas of success for Memphis. Some factors that they either needed to improve upon based how they had performed early in the season over the past couple of years or some things that they needed to remain consistent in for them really to be able to find success without having their full roster available. Those four things were playing good defense, playing good on the road, being able to keep the three-point differential close, and also continuing to be one of the best first quarter teams in the NBA. Well, despite the fact that, you know, over the couple over the uh, first few games, there have been stretches where especially the Grizzlies starters have played good defense, the Grizzlies have not performed well in any of those areas. And for that reason, you see why the Grizzlies, are 0-3. Take, take a couple of perspectives, for instance. For instance, right now, the Grizzlies coming into this season, there were 26 games under Taylor Jenkins in which the Grizzlies had allowed 15 or more threes to their opponents. They had allowed the opponents to shoot 38% or better, and the Grizzlies had committed 15 turnovers or more. There had been 26 games where all three of those occurrences happen. And all three of those occurrences certainly are negative when it comes to the Grizzlies. And as a result, the Grizzlies are seven and 19 in such games. I bring up that specific statistical perspective because that's what the Grizzlies are averaging in those three areas right now. The Grizzlies are allowing 14.7 threes to their opponent per game right now. Opponents are shooting 38% from three so far against the Grizzlies this year, and the Grizzlies are committing 17.3 turnovers per game. When you're com- when you're committing more turnovers than your opponent, allowing more threes than you're making to your opponent, and you're allowing for those threes to be high value shots, you're going to lose more often than you're going to win. And that's the re- a big reason why the Grizzlies are 0-3 currently. Another factor that comes into place is that, you know, I had mentioned, you know, a fast start two games. You know, this Grizzlies team had been one of the best first quarter teams in the NBA, mainly due to their defense. Well, the Grizzlies so far this year, they've not scored 30 points in a first quarter so far this year. A big reason why, Memphis has the lowest first quarter field goal percentage of any team in the NBA so far this year. Coming into this season, When the Grizzlies score 30 or more points in first quarters under Taylor Jenkins, they win 75% of the time. When they score less than 30 points, they only win 50% of the time. And right now, unfortunately, they're not scoring like they would like to. They're not getting that lead that they would like to play with. And that, unfortunately, is making them, a lot of times, especially when it comes to the second quarter, a lot of times that's resulting in the Grizzlies being in a hole that they have to dig out of. And let's be honest, right now, a good amount of this team's offensive firepower is on the injured list. So this team, it's hard for them to come from behind. If everybody was healthy, this Grizzlies team is more structured to play with the lead because defense is their strength than playing from behind. So when you have Memphis not getting off to a good offensive start, they've gotten off to some very slow starts when it comes to their offense. And then you also look at the fact that right now, unfortunately, Memphis just is not going to win many of the bench minutes because of the talent they have available to them. The Grizzlies right now have scored 24 less points than their opponents through three games in the second quarter. So if they're not winning the first quarter, and if they're not having a good offensive start to the game, they're running into an even bigger hole to climb out of when they're losing the bench minutes. It's all about how the game script goes. And right now for Memphis, it's just there is very little success in the game script. And as a result, that's putting Memphis in a position to where they're having to play from behind. And right now, this offense is just not where it needs to be consistently to be able to play from behind. And find success. Now, when it comes to these things that I mentioned, when it comes to these areas of improvement, the turnovers, the, 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 the uh, three-point success of the opponents, the Grizzlies just are simply going to have to get better in that area. There's got to be a focus today into tomorrow before the game against the Mavericks where the Grizzlies have to realize, listen, we either through simplifying things, through c- committing to effort, what have you, the Grizzlies have got to simplify things and make better decisions on offense to make sure that they're more efficient when it comes to ball control. And on defense, they've got to contest shots. This Grizzlies team is not talented enough to right now to just allow for the opposing teams to be able to take a lot of open threes. They're just not talented enough. They are not talented enough at this point in time offensively to be able to come back from other teams shooting threes. Because what happens is, and as we've seen over several of the past past three games, the other team, the Pelicans, the Nuggets, as well as the Wizards, again, as I mentioned, over the past three games, The Grizzlies have scored 31 less points than their opponents in the first half of games. That means that the Grizzlies have been down at halftime. And it's just seemed like in the second half of games, multiple times in each of the past three games, the Grizzlies will be climbing closer, they'll be climbing closer, but then the opponent will be able to hit a three, hit multiple threes, and keep the Grizzlies at arm's distance. To where, yeah, the Grizzlies are trying trying to get closer, but they just can't get over the hump, because every time they do, the opponent is making a three. The Grizzlies have got to be able to limit that. Last night when the Grizzlies started to come back, it was because they were preventing the Wizards from getting good looks in the fourth quarter from three. Memphis has to do that for all four quarters to be able to stop the bleeding when it comes to those three-point shots. And if they can do that, I think that they can find a way to get a couple of wins together, especially this week. But I really want to focus on the start of the game scenario for the Grizzlies. As I mentioned again, with how good the Grizzlies are defensively, and right now with the fact that they've got a lot of offensive firepower on the injured list, and until Jaw gets back, he's the engine to this offense. Until he gets back, this is just simply going to be the truth. The Grizzlies are a team structure to play with the lead. Their formula to get that lead, as I mentioned before the season even started, their formula to get that lead coming into the season was to play good defense, set a defensive tone, maybe the game's close, but at the very least through their defense, the Grizzlies should be able to have the lead. And then from there, hand it off to their bench, where you've got Santi Aldama, where you've got Luke Kennard, as well as others that can come in and their shooting can start to help the Grizzlies maybe extend the lead or maybe close the gap if they're losing against other bench units. And then you go into that second quarter, where you potentially have Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard, Santi Aldama, as well as Jaron Jackson Jr. on the court against the opposition, where the opposition probably has a few bench players on the court. The Grizzlies absolutely should win those minutes each and every time. But right now, without Aldama and without Kennard, you're left with there being several stretches of the game where only one of Bain and and Jaron are on the court. And last night, we had a couple of stretches where neither Jaron nor Bain nor Smart were on the court. The Grizzlies are likely going to lose those minutes every time. So once Aldama and once Kennard are back, I'm not saying that they're saviors. I'm not saying that them getting back is instantly going to make the Grizzlies a contender. That's not the focus here. But the focus is, is that if those two players can come back, they instantly help the Grizzlies' offense at that end of the first quarter, start of the second course segment of the game, it should significantly improve the vibe, significantly improve the momentum, significantly improve, you know, the Grizzlies' overall energy and effort. Because it's just a natural concept. If you as a team are getting rolling offensively early in games, you're likely going to sit there and keep that energy for longer into the game than if you're struggling. And again, the most important thing of all, with Aldama and Kennard back, with their shooting in the second quarter to support the defense in the first quarter, if the Grizzlies can sit there and play with the lead, then I think they're going to be more effective, obviously, as the season goes along. So yes, the Grizzlies are going to have to improve on a lot of things, but specifically when it comes to the start of the game's success, having Kennard as well as Santi Aldama back, Should definitely help. But at the end of the day, the Grizzlies are going to have to take care of the ball better. They're going to have to contest more three-point shots. And they're going to have to focus on overall offensive balance. And part of that, again, like I mentioned, is on the coaching staff as well as the players. You know, Taylor Jenkins has got to realize he talked about being more dynamic before the season started, at how he managed his lineups. Well, the way to be more dynamic is to not only recognize that in terms of the frequency of you changing lineups, that needs to be effective, but you got to be effective with how you're staggering lineups. There should be very little moments, if any, where um, one of, there should be very few moments where Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr., at least one of them, are not on the court. You've got to have a go-to option on offense. There should be very few moments where neither Bain nor Jaron Jackson Jr. are on the court. The numbers just do not in any way, shape, or form favor the Grizzlies. And while I say the Grizzlies can improve on their uh, ability to take care of the ball, while I, can, while I feel they can improve in terms of their perimeter defense, when it comes to them being able to improve the bench right now, it's just hard to do. They just do not have the reliable enough talent to be able to win those bench minutes. So you've got to be able to stagger lineups on Taylor Jenkins in to be able to get the consistency that you're going to need. But the other factor in that, talking about the offensive consistency throughout the game, is the Grizzlies just have to find balance. Against the Pelicans and against Denver, the Grizzlies were 22 of 75 from three. Then last night against Washington, one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA, one of the worst overall teams in the NBA, the Grizzlies attempted 47 threes. In last night's game against Washington, 93 combined threes is the second highest amount of three-point shots that's ever been shot in a Grizzlies game. Sure, you want them to shoot more threes, but you also want them to be smart when it comes to their shot selection. And with Jaron Jackson Jr. clearly being the best internal player, Player, offensive player, among those two teams, you got to go inside and feature him more. Last night, the Grizzlies, you know, again, twenty-two for seventy-five in their first two games from three, but then twenty of forty-four from two-point range yesterday. That's just not going to get the job done against a team like Washington. So there's got to be better lineup staggering. There's got to be, you know, more focus on finding the best shot possible. We've talked about the, these things before. There's got to be more focus. On not just settling for yes, the Grizzlies I feel want to shoot more threes. They they made it clear. Taylor Jenkins has always mentioned to make more threes, you have to shoot more of them. But to be able to shoot more of them confidently, you got to make sure they're consistently good looks. How do you make sure they're consistently good looks? By being able to produce inside. Last night, if Memphis goes inside and they produce, they find their shot selection. They're able to get Jaron going as well as Xavier Tillman going to get to the rim, get to the free throw line. That puts the Washington defense down in the lane, then you can get your open shots all day long. And those open shots are there. Washington allowed 30 open shots to the Indiana Pacers in the first game. So I understand that the Grizzlies looked at that and they probably thought, okay, we should have some success shooting the three. And the Grizzlies did shoot the three well. 19 of 47 from three. 40% made 19 threes. Honestly, one of the best three-point shooting nights in Grizzlies history. But because they could not find the balance within the arc, it wound up not being enough. So improving ball control, becoming more efficient on offense, contesting three-point shots, from the coaching staff, the ability to stagger the lineups and keep the energy going, and from the roster perspective, just being able to make sure that you prioritize good shot selection. Those are a lot of boxes to check. The good thing is is that the Grizzlies just need to make some adjustments and they should be able to do it. And if they can do those things, that there can be even marginal adjustments in all those areas. The big key is not necessarily how much of an improvement there is in any one area I mentioned, but it's the focus on improving in all of those areas. If the Grizzlies can improve marginally even in all those areas, wins should start to come. There's a good opportunity to get a few wins this week. Wins should start to come. But of course, when we talk about the Grizzlies... From a team perspective, yeah, there's a lot to work on. And there's some negatives, right? You know, Over the past two games, Desmond Bain has gotten off to some really slow starts. Um, you're not seeing hardly any consistency. You're seeing very little overall positives, I feel, when you're seeing the kids play, as people like to call them. When you're seeing the Larabias and the Roddies play together right now, there's just not a lot there that's a positive for the Grizzlies. But I do think that there's some positives overall. When it comes to the Grizzlies being able to find reliability, once again, on their depth outside of scoring, mainly I'm talking about Marcus Smart, as well as Zaire Williams and John Conchar. Those three players, there's a lot of good activity going outside of scoring. Marcus Smart actually has been done a little bit better scoring than I thought he would over his first three games. That may just be the fact that he knows that he has to score a bit more with the lack of offensive talent that the Grizzlies have at their disposal right now. But his his activity on defense, I think that he's making good decisions with passing. The turnovers, you're just going to have to live with, with Marcus Smart. With John Conchar, it's the fact that I think John Conchar, the difference between last year and this year, is I think that Conchar realized that the way for him to be able to stay within the rotation... Last year, he thought the way to do that was to keep his shot going, improve on his shot. And unfortunately, I think that he forced some shots. And that led to him not being able to hit the shots that he usually makes. This year, I think the focus with John Conchar is just doing what he does best. Yes, I do believe that John Conchar is a decent to good shooter, but that's more when second units are in the game. But one area where John Conchar is above average at, is in a guard's body being able to produce across the board when it comes to non-scoring value. Rebounds, assists, good decisions, good defense, hustle plays, all those areas are what sets John Conchar apart from many other bench players in the NBA. And so far over the past two games, some of our best basketball is being played when he's on the court, and it's not because he's sitting here and making two or three threes a game. It's the rebounds, it's the blocks, it's the steals, it's the assists, it's the good defense that you don't see show up in the box score. John Conchar has once again started to show that, yeah, he's not a top eight player in a playoff rotation. He he just is not at that level, and that's fine. But John Conchar right now, the focus is not to worry about the playoffs. You'll get there when you get there, and along the way, you're going to make the needed adjustments to your rotation that you feel are going to give you the best chance to win. Well, right now in the regular season, playing John Conchar, 20 to 25 minutes a game gives the Grizzlies their best chance to win in the regular season. So it's good to see him once again being able able to feature the ways that he best impacts the game outside of scoring. But Zaire Williams, yeah, the the shot right now still is not consistently there. 42% from the field, 27% from three, but the outside basketball activity. You're seeing him more confident taking shots off the dribble. You're seeing good defense. You're seeing an effective change. One thing that really stood out about Zaire Williams to go over the past three games is that you saw an immediate adjustment when it came to realizing, hey, I've got to do something more than just being an an okay low usage scorer and playing good defense. I've got to find another way to be able to contribute. How does he do it? Rebounds. Again, as I mentioned on Twitter, coming into the second game of the season, there had only been one quarter... In Zaire Williams' career, where he had five or more rebounds in a quarter. How does he respond from the Grizzlies struggling to rebound in the first game of the season? He has six rebounds in the first quarter of the second game against Denver. And then the next night, he has six more rebounds in the first quarter against Washington. So when we talk about Zaire Williams, we talk about the defense, we talk about the ability to score in a low usage setting, but the outside scoring activity is a really good swing area. For Zaire Williams. How he can improve there is going to ultimately determine is he a solid starter in the NBA? Is he a fringe rotation player? Is he a go to bench reserve? If Zaire Williams, he's not going to score a lot just because the Grizzlies are not going to utilize him a lot on offense. He's not there yet to do that. But outside of that, if he could find value without the ball, which he's producing right now, he can definitely hold his own when it comes to adding value. And of course, Xavier Tillman. Last night wasn't to the level that he was, you know, in games one and two, but played has played very, very well to start this season. He definitely is performing well in a contract season. Now, I know that some may say that the Tillman-Jaron Jackson Jr. combination, it, it, it's definitely a good enough combination to start in the regular season. I think that if the Grizzlies start to get some wins together, they find themselves in an okay to favorable position once Jaw comes back, you've got to upgrade. On Tillman when it comes to the starting rotation. You want Tillman to be that chess piece bench player in the playoffs. You want him to be that eighth or ninth member of the playoff rotation to where you can utilize him in different ways in a playoff setting. How that looks like, whether it's going to get a wing, where it's going to get another big, we'll see how that occurs. Tillman is just fine and is doing well right now as a regular season piece, but I'm not convinced that he's doing well to the point that you just let him and Jaron be for the playoffs. I still think that you need to make an upgrade on the overall roster where... X is more of a reliable reserve than a go-to starter. I think that's going to be best for this Grizzlies team when it comes to the playoffs, and we'll likely see that the Grizzlies will make some type of move to make that happen as time goes on. But, you know, that, that that's far from a concern right now because the Grizzlies are just looking for their first win of the season. But that combination of Jaron Jackson Jr. and Xavier Tillman are definitely doing their jobs. So this is why I say I don't necessarily think there there is reason for concern, or that there is reason for panic, but there's plenty of reason to be concerned. The Grizzlies have struggled, especially offensively. They've struggled more than I think many of us anticipated. I for I certainly will admit they've struggled more than I thought they would. But with Santi Aldama as well as Luke Kennard coming back, how they should be able to help Taylor Jenkins put together lineups, especially early in the game, that can be productive on offense, especially. That should make such a significant boost to the results that the Grizzlies can produce. And then if they can get those leads to play with, I think that you're going to see a lot more effective basketball as time goes on. But of course, as we all know, going into this season, the two factors that were going to matter the most, the go-to combination for this Grizzlies team, the Grizzlies were going to go as Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain went without John ja Moran. And again, I think there's been some mixed reviews when it comes to Jaren, as well as Desmond Bain. I mean, I think without a doubt, uh, offensively, there probably has been a little bit to be desired. You know, Jaren had a you know good first game, or excuse me, he, he had a pretty forgettable first game, had a great second game, had a good second half against the Wizards last night. Desmond Bain, great first game, forgettable game against Denver, had an okay game, good second half against the Wizards last night. They've got to put together a full 48. The, grid, the other thing that stands out, besides all those things that I mentioned, as the podcast was going on, another big factor in this, the Grizzlies just need a full 48 of both Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. playing a good game. And if they can get that, that's going to be another factor that will help with wins. But when it comes to the offense, Bain should get going. Jaron needs to be featured more inside. I'm, I'm not worried about their offensive contributions. Those will get more consistent. And once again, they need to be consistent together. Once that happens, I think you'll start to see the Grizzlies produce some wins. But without a doubt, one thing that definitely is also clear, the defensive impact of Jaron Jackson Jr. is alive and well, and is just right at the same level now that it was last year. Take this for instance, three three games so far and over about 200 possessions. When Jaron Jackson Jr. is on the court, the Grizzlies are allowing opponents to score only 100 points per 100 possessions. Grizzlies opponents are shooting 48.6% when it comes to effective field goal percentage. They're shooting 62% at the rim, and they're also shooting 33% when their shots are 4 to 14 feet from the basket. So without a doubt, Jaron Jackson Jr. once again is limiting the overall ability of the offense to score, is making an impact to where his presence makes it harder for the offense to be able to make good shot selections, and he also is absolutely a menace when it comes to preventing opposing teams from being able to find success close to the rim. All those things that helped him win Defensive Player of the Year, because again, we talk about the three blocks, we talk about a steal per game, how rare that is in today's game, that played a part in it, but it was the defensive impact being so much more than any other player last year that helped Jaron Jackson Jr. win Defensive Player of the Year. Now, this year so far, there have been some other players who have been standout defensively. The Toronto Raptors are playing excellent defense so far, and it's a short sample size. But over three games, you're seeing the impact of Jaron Jackson Jr. Again, when he's on the court, opponents are scoring 100 points per 100 possessions. 48.6 effective field goal percentage, shooting 62% at the rim, 33% in the short mid. Now, look at what happens when he goes off the court. Opponents are scoring 125 points per 100 possessions of Grizzlies opponents are scoring 20% more when Jackson is off the court than when he's on the court. That's a huge margin. They're shooting 64%, they're shooting 65% effective field goal percentage. A, 15, a 16% jump in effective field goal percentage is a huge jump. You're talking about the opposition going from one from being you know near the worst you know offensive teams in the NBA when Jaren's on the court to being among the best when he's off. And then teams are shooting 68% at the rim and 60% in that short mid area. When Jaren is on the court, his defensive impact is once again at the level of a defensive player of the year. But when he's off the court, Grizzlies can't stop anybody. And and if the Grizzlies are are not stopping anybody, if he basically is playing two thirds of the game. It's that other third of the game that the Grizzlies are, are just, are, they're not having any success at all on the defensive end. And so that leads to the other big news that occurred on Saturday, which was the announcement that the Grizzlies, when it comes to, you know, the, of course, after the fifth game, which will be, um, they'll play Dallas on Monday, and then they'll play Utah on Wednesday. The Grizzlies' sixth game of the year will be this Friday. Well, when the Grizzlies' sixth game of the year comes, they'll be able to add Bismack Biyombo, veteran big man Bismack Biyombo, to the roster in a roster spot that basically is an exception for Ja Morant's suspension. We've always known that once Ja got the 25-game suspension, NBA rules suggest that the Grizzlies can get a roster exception. They don't have to cut someone. Basically Moran is added to the league suspended list. He basically is is a not active part of the roster, so his roster spot becomes available for those 20 games. And so the Grizzlies, as we've all known, they needed another big. They've gone out and got Bismack Biombo. In this, they don't have to um give up any type of draft picks uh, in a trade or they don't have to, you know, cut any pieces of the roster in order to add Biyombo. Now, there are significantly more impactful options that the Grizzlies could pay a reasonable price for in a trade to go get. But they're not at that point yet, I don't think. You know, them giving up draft picks, potentially cutting the roster spot to add a player via trade, that probably is just not the most logical thing right now. Adding Biz back as depth certainly is. And the reason why that is, is because where the Grizzlies are struggling the most right now, Where they clearly have a glaring hole when it comes to their depth in the front court, Biombo's strengths are a very good match to where the Grizzlies have their biggest weaknesses right now, and that's interior defense when either X-Tillman, Jaron Jackson Jr., or both are off the court. It obviously is also rebounding because you don't have Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, and it's also extra rim protection. Having another rim protector potentially could allow for Jaron Jackson Jr. or Xavier Tillman to be able to roam a bit more and to cause disruption with their good defensive instincts. But it's important to remember that when it comes to Bismack Biombo, he, he's depth at this point. He's not someone that you're going to be able to play 25 minutes a game. You expect to be able to play all defensive level defense and make a huge impact. The key for Bismack Biombo is is going to be him focusing on the moments when the bench unit is in the game for the Grizzlies, him focusing on limiting limiting the second chance opportunities for the opposition while also protecting the rim. Because when you have second units in the game, the structure of the game, it's going to go down a little bit naturally because you just don't have as much talent in the game. If you can have an elite rim protector in the game at that time, that is going to be a big boost to this Grizzlies team. And the good thing is, is that in terms of permanent production, in terms of when they're on the court, even though Biombo at this point in his career is clearly a depth piece, his uh, his rim protection impact remains highly effective. I put it on Twitter yesterday. Of the of all the players in the NBA that have played 2,500 or more minutes over the past three years, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Bismack Biombo are both in the top five in terms of block percentage. He can also set the occasional screen. Again, he's not going to be hardly any type of offensive go-to guy at all. But at the very least, as a depth piece, his strengths should help out in the area where the Grizzlies have their most glaring weaknesses. And that's a good match for this team at this point in time. So the addition of Bismat Biombo wouldn't expect more than maybe 10 to 15 minutes per game. And yes, absolutely, if you have... If more bench pieces right now for the Grizzlies are in the game than starters and we haven't got Aldama and, and and Luke Kennard back, yes, that offense is going to struggle. But at the very least, the defensive capabilities and the rebounding capabilities of the Grizzlies depth, they get a big boost when it comes to Bismarck Biombo. And if the Grizzlies, which I'm sure they will, if they can just remember to keep Biombo in that context. He's not someone that you should be playing 20 to 25 minutes a game. As good as the stats may suggest, him and Jaron being on the court together could be for the defense. His offensive, his lack of offensive value just is not going to allow for him to be on the court for an extended period of time. So the Grizzlies are still going to continue to play Jaron 30 plus minutes, still going to continue to play Tillman 30 or plus minutes, but at the very least, the defense should improve when those two players or one of those players are off the court. And that should be a significant enough boost to help the, those minutes where they're not on the court not be as, as as detrimental to the Grizzlies' chances to win. So when I talk about the week that has happened, again, there's not much positivity. But when you really break it down, there are several areas where we know the Grizzlies have shown the ability to play at a higher level at than they're currently playing right now. Again, limiting turnovers, contesting shots. When it comes to the coaching staff, keeping the energy up, making sure you stagger lineups, you know, in in a smarter manner, and just in general, just making good shot selection, making better decisions when it comes to shots, hitting open shots. All those things are areas where a team as talented as the Grizzlies' core is, they can make those improvements. But the other good thing about it is, is that yeah, while the Grizzlies definitely let a winnable game slip through their hands yesterday, this week. Offers a favorable opportunity to at least get off the ground. You know, e, when we were in the Grizzly Spaces last night, EJ talked about um, Cas- Casamigo, whoever Grizzly Spaces, a great, great Twitter follow, and, and who who has done a phenomenal job when it comes to Grizzly Spaces. He he mentioned it. He just wants to see that one in the win column, and I agree. I agree completely. You see that first win, getting that win column, you have a bit of a relief. You have some pressure come off a little bit. If the Grizzlies could get that tomorrow night against the Mavericks, absolutely. I'll take that all day long. Many of us expected for them to be one in three. If that one can come against the Mavericks and get to be against a division opponent, that'd be great. I'll be honest, I don't expect it, but that'd be awesome to see. But after, after that Mavericks game, the schedule starts to get a little little bit easier. You've got the Jazz, playing at the Jazz on Wednesday. You've got two in Portland against the Trailblazers, and then you've got the Heat at home before you have the Jazz again. And that takes you through November the 10th. So for nearly the next two weeks, in five of the six games that the Grizzlies basically play over the next two weeks, you can see they may not be favored in all those games, but you can see them playing well enough to be able to potentially win them. And who knows? If they put together a performance against the Mavericks tomorrow night, like they did against um, Denver on Friday night, they may have a good chance to win that game as well. So the week ahead offers opportunity. And when you look at getting Santi Aldama as well as Luke Kennard back, that offers hope. But the key for the Grizzlies is, is that they've got to turn that hope into urgency. They've got to turn that hope into focus, determination to know that, hey, We're better than our record suggests. Even with what we're missing, we are still a team plenty capable of playing with any team in the NBA and being one of the best defenses in the league. Set the the the, um, uh, tone early with the defense in games. Make smarter decisions on offense. And I think that you'll start to see the Grizzlies turning around, especially if they can get health on their side. Can't thank you enough for joining us here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live, part of the Bluff City Media and Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. You can find all the great written, digital, on audio and visual content at bluffcitymedia.co. When it comes to any part of the Memphis sports landscape, we've got you covered at Bluff City Media. Make sure you check it out. Make sure that you also subscribe to GBB Live wherever you listen to your podcast to get the latest content. When it's available, follow us on Twitter. Follow myself at StatsSAC. Always enjoy interacting with Grizzlies fans. Love diving into the numbers to see where things are, where they're trending, how they can improve, how they can get better, how they can be maintained. At the end of the day, the game of basketball is much more than numbers. But when you start to break it down, numbers help to identify some areas where yeah, there may be a bit of concern, but also to identify that, hey, even though there's concern now, Past production suggests things could get better. And I think that's where we are with Memphis. Yes, this season has started off worse than anybody really expected. But I do think that there's plenty of reason to remain confident that the Grizzlies will get the ship righted and they'll be able to navigate these tough waters once again As they get healthier, as they look at some film, as they see where there clearly are areas that need to improve, adjustments will be made. Aldama and Kennard will be healthy. And I think that once they get into this schedule over the next few weeks, we'll see a couple of wins put together, and we'll see Memphis be in a better place this time next week than they are now. Can't thank you enough for listening here to GBB Live. Hope wherever you are, wherever you are listening, you have a great end to your weekend and a good start to your week. And we'll talk to you again soon here on GBB Live.